We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Karis Levert is cold, but Dame is colder. Yes, Dame Lillard giving our boy Karis Levert some respect. The Nets couldn't pull out the W for the Suns tonight. They lost to the Blazers 134-133. Before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods as well. This episode is presented by DealDash.com. But, Jack, this was a really exciting game for a, for a game that didn't matter for the Nets. It didn't. And and we heard before that Jacques Vaughn said he's not going to limit minutes. He's he, These guys are going to be going after it. And, you know, we saw the minute loads. Joe Harris, 34. Jared Allen, 37. Garrett Temple, 37. Karras Avert, 33. Tyler Johnson, 24. Uh, and TLC, 32. You know, he wants to get these guys some good reps and some continuity heading into what is going to be a tremendously tough series against the Toronto Raptors. So the, you can't get much better practice than going up against the, the killer that is Damian Logo Lillard. Um, it was a heck of a game. And I mean, a lot of other teams are just sort of lying down and, and giving these games away. But the Trailblazers had to earn it. And the Nets were certainly right there towards the end. 
Yeah, you got to give the Nets a lot of credit. From everybody on the roster to Vaughn coming up with a great game plan and trying to eliminate Damian Lillard, who still had a crazy game, hitting ridiculous shots all over the court. But like you said, Jack, a lot of teams would have probably just been like, hey, we're going to rest our guys and we're going to you know, just take the second half pretty easy. But the Nets didn't do that. And I think it makes sense because they do have three days off. And also, yeah. like, this roster almost has no playoff experience. You know, like even Joe Harris, Karis Levert, and Jared Allen. We're talking about one series. You know, Joe was on the Cavs, but he didn't even play in those games. And, like, you have Garrett Temple, but he's not necessarily uh, the ginormous piece. So, like, getting a lot of these young guys reps and letting them know what they're going to have to deal with and at least a pressure situation for the Blazers, who I felt like didn't pick up the intensity as much as they probably should have in an elimination game. Look, to be fair, they've been one of the worst defensive teams in the bubble. And it's not to say in the that regular the season. Have, yeah, and it's not to say that the Nets have a remarkable offense, but you know, the Nets were getting a, a lot of good looks. You know, they were able to shoot from three incredibly well. Fourteen of thirty-three from the arc, over forty-two percent. You know, you had Garrett Temple hitting three of them. Joe wasn't necessarily hot, but he he hit one. You know, Tyler Johnson hit a couple, and TLC got back to his his flame throwaways, but hitting five of nine from there. So uh, it's a lot of it, it was just a really entertaining game, Nick. And, and I yeah. think that the Nets will take a lot out of this at more than, you know, probably we would have thought if this was just a, a, a meaningless game against the team, like probably so many others have been over the past couple of days of the bubble experience seeding games. Yeah, like the Magic and Pelicans that was on at the yeah. same time. I'm like, what, there's another game happening right now. What's going on here? It's only Nets Blazers. And um, it was a, a heck of a game, Nick. Heck, a heck of a game. When you see two players like just in their bag, you know, you had Karis LeVert dropping 37, then you had Dame Lode on the other side dropping 42. It's just super entertaining. And anything that high scoring, you know, two teams scoring over 130 points is just going to make you excited. And it, the fact that it was close pretty much the entire game, you know, neither team really got out to any point of a big lead. And there was a little bit of like tension later on in the game and you could feel each team really wanted to win. Oh yeah, big time. You know, absolutely. I think that, the the wind still mattered to these Nets team. It's they weren't playing to just like you know let it go. And despite the fact that it it meant bugger all, you know we've solidified a seventh seed. There is no point in winning other than getting a 500 record. I still still think a 35 and 37 record to finish the seeding game and season is outstanding considering what we've had what what we've sort of experienced throughout the season and in this with this current roster that Sean Marks has has put together. So you know the the fact that the Nets showed fight is something that has been emblematic of this whole bubble experience for the Brooklyn Nets. They've fought, they've fought, they've fought. They've been underdogs in so many games. They haven't got a lot of credit. Tonight, they finally did. Tonight, finally, Karis Avert had the eyes on him. We were seeing national media reporters talking about him. We saw Damian Lillard giving him a heap of credit. It was, it's fun to be a Nets fan right now, Nick. And I think that we're going to, uh, I, I may have said in our OTG <laughs> predictions uh, for our spreadsheet, you know, we had all of our riders. We got a great squad at, at OTG Basketball. You know, the same Raptors in five, Raptors in four, Raptors in six. You guys put Nets in seven, baby. Well, let's make it happen. Rody's spoken into to existence. I'm going to two. I mean, the Nets have been doing crazy things all bubble, like all seeding games. And like you said, a lot of credit to Sean Marks, the entire organization, and the players stepping up because no one expected them to be here with the amount of absences they have. You know, during the regular season and during the bubble and kind of just putting this group together and them coming out and playing better than a lot of other teams that have a lot more talent. And a lot of credit just goes to the players and the coaching staff and making everything work so quickly. It's such an interesting situation that I don't think anybody could have anticipated going this way. 
Uh, I certainly didn't. I think we made our predictions beforehand. I think we said two and six, three and five, something like that. I said six and two. Uh, I changed my mind. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition. But five and three, uh, it's it's a it's they've certainly exceeded expectations. You know, they're one of the top three or four teams to in terms of their performance relative to the expectation. You know, you've obviously got the Phoenix Suns and the Portland Trailblazers doing some insane things. But the way the Brooklyn Nets played. You know, it was it was absolutely mar- remarkable, and I think a lot of credit goes to Jacques Vaughn. A lot of credit goes to the players for performing and and superseding and and exceeding their roles, and 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 it was just a heck of a performance across the board from from so many guys. And you know, I think that it's time to get stuck into this one, Nick. Let's let's get down to that final possession from Carol Savert. We were having a bit of a chat about it off wax. You thought Carol Savert should have got should have gone a bit earlier. Some people said he should have driven. What in your ideal situation should Karis Levert have done with the final shot of the game? Yeah, I would have liked to see Karis bring it down and then work one of those screens that he was doing with Joe Harris to get the switch onto Gary Trent and kind of take him to the rim because he was just working him and Trent was kind of biting on all of his fakes. So I would have liked to see him kind of take it to the lane. Not necessarily, he doesn't even have to get a layup, but I think getting in that paint area, even if it's that elbow jumper we've seen a lot in these seeding games, feel it a little bit more confident there. But I think overall it's a learning experience for Karras to understand like this is kind of the situation, how I'm going to have to deal with it. And it probably won't be the last time over the next couple games that he's in a, a situation like that. Yeah, and I think the the one sort of um, game and clutch shot that I remember is the one against the Knicks that, that springs to mind. Um, he had one take, against you know, Denver too uh, before he had the whole ankle foot injury. Yeah, and, and both of those shots were a bit closer in rather than the sort of deep range twos. And when we have been seeing him shoot those sort of mid-range jumpers, you know, using his footwork, using his balance, they have been a little bit closer in that sort of 20, 18 to 20 foot range. They've probably been around that sort of 12 to 16 foot range if not closer and he was driving the ball incredibly well tonight the strength and dexterity and and balance that he showed was just absolutely insane so I mean I'm not going to hate at the end of the day there's a part of me that's also happy the Trailblazers are in a playing game and might take down the Lakers who knows but focusing on Carol Savert's game Nick it was just one more thing about that shot Jack I just was uh Karis was so upset that he didn't hit that shot like he he was visibly like really upset like just emotional and I think that just says so much about him and the player that he wants to be and how much he wanted this game because from the start you could kind of tell he came out with that type of energy see the Nets third star Nick it seems to be the talk of Nets Twitter it seems to be the talk of Twitter is ablaze no Beal no Holiday it's all the vert CLVPG I mean it could be you know I'm not Sean Marks I don't know exactly what he's going to do I think at least Karis LeVert has proven he's going to be a star in this league. Does it mean it's going to be with the Nets? There's no guarantee. And I think also maybe some of the co- the coach that you choose, how he could incorporate LeVert in having all these like ball-dominant players or whoever's on the roster next season, you know, it's going to be a really weird situation, I guess. Or I don't even want to say weird. It's a great situation to be in for the yeah. Nets because you have so many good players and so many guys that do things great where you just kind of have to find the pieces to fit. And if, hey, one guy doesn't fit, he's at a really high value where you can add somebody else into the mix that maybe fits better. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's about fit and, and so many people are, it's, 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 it is about that. At the end of the day, it needs to be a champion. There needs to be more defense. Carlos Levert, while he's had, especially tonight, you can clan into that as well. He had a couple of steals, he had a block, but there was also just some, some brain phase and brain explosions from him that were just like, what are you doing on the defensive end there? So unless he's going to become a better defender, then we do need more defense. We need... Chris Dunlike, Serge Barker, Iron Gordon, these sort of guys. And I don't mind if it means giving up a Dinwiddie or a Levert. Um, I, I probably, 
I think now it might we've probably changed our mind a million times on this podcast, Nick, and people have receipts. That's what happens when you've got a podcast. But has Karasovic now taken over as the Nets' third best player and over Spencer Dimity in terms of fit going forward? Or are you still more confident with Spencer Dimity as a sort of backup six-man sort of role? Uh, it's a question that I'm pro- sure we've pondered plenty of times in this podcast, but I thought I'd bring it up again because why not? Yeah, I think Karras has probably exceeded Spencer as a better player. If he can prove to do this over a longer span of time, as good as Spencer is, it's a little bit of a different game. It's more of like a clear-cut drive. There's not much of that in between. And I think three-point shooting-wise, you know, Spencer's the better catch-and-shoot guy. I feel a little bit more confident probably with Karras on the pull-ups, at least this season. But in terms of the fit, I think Spencer's proven already that he could probably fit with a guy like Katie and Kyrie and still have a pretty big impact in the game, where Levert, it's just really not known. You know, even with the time that we've seen him on the court, we have never really seen him play with a great player. And like the sample size with Kyrie was so small. You know, most of those games came early in the season when the team wasn't really running anything or in sync at all. And then when he came back later in the year, they were kind of all over the place where Karras was in that bench role. So it's tough to say if he could fit. Like based off what we've seen the things that Karis does best you know Kyrie and KD pretty much do better so it's like trying to make that fit is going to be tough like I said I feel like the coach is going to have a big impact and how to get value for all these guys if they are still on the roster but based off of what we've seen from both guys I still probably say Spencer is a more adaptable player but Karis I think has like a higher peak of having a big impact on the game when he's at his best yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're assessing a lot of things, like you said there, Nick. You know, talent. Do you just want the better player on your roster? Probably. Make it work afterwards. And exactly. You just sort of, you know, and obviously, it doesn't, there doesn't have to be an off-season trade. Maybe if things don't work, maybe Feb- come February, come the trade deadline, maybe that's where you, you start to make some I'm moves. leaning towards that, I think, a little bit more. Like, I yeah. initially, I was thinking, hey, let's get this done in the off-season so they get that done. But then, like, you're seeing so much talent of these guys where it's like, hey, it might all be here other than maybe, like we mentioned, like one or two defensive pieces. It all might be here. And if we do need to make that change, we could always make it at the deadline because the two key cogs in Kyrie and Katie aren't going to change. Yeah, we know that the Nets need defense. And there's not obviously – TLC isn't really going to cut it in the regular season and in playoff games as good as he has been. We'll get to those guys. And we'll get He's to a good as a game. bench guy. He's being great as a bench guy. You know, we've got a lot of guys, as would Tyler Johnson for that matter, as would Garrett Temple uh, for that matter. But in, in, in saying that, yeah, it is, the roster construction is going to continue to be a topic until the Nets are, until it's like the postseason next year, probably. Until yeah. February 15 or whatever the end of the trade deadline in 2021 is, you know, that's when the discussion will eventually end and we can go, all right, this is the team we've got. This is where we go for, for the 2021 championship. But... Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. 
Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and it only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code BACKBOARD or DealDash.FM slash BACKBOARD. That's DealDash.FM slash BACKBOARD. Uh, Nick, on Carol Severt's game in particular, like you mentioned, 37 points, 16 of 29 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, hit all four three throws, 6 rebounds, including an offensive one, had 9 assists, 2 steals, a block. Uh, did increase those turnovers a little bit in the last half, but uh, just an outstanding performance from CLVPG. Yeah, I mean, the, the efficiency is really great. Obviously, the turnovers aren't amazing, but some of them were just like, hey, he had the ball in his hand so much, start to get double team, and obviously not the most talented Nets team in the world. But 16 to 29 from the field, and he was just kind of going to work against everybody on Portland. They didn't really have anybody that could slow him down. You know, Gary Trent, CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard, Mello, whoever it might be. And I think Karis Avert did a great job of using his height advantage. You know, was that making the extra pass and having those nine assists, or was that just kind of shooting over somebody in the paint? Really good game. And, you know, Sean Marks talked about it at that uh, pregame uh, interview saying how, like, Levert, the game has just slowed down for him. And I think that's just one of the most apparent things that we've seen in these seeding games where he's reading things and understanding and manipulating the defense a little more than we've seen him do it in the past. It's weird because we've been seeing the, the rise. Remember the first year we did this and watching Karis oh, Levert? <laughs> you used to like deer in the headlights. And now deer in the headlights. Yeah, during the headlights, I specifically remember us saying that, you know, he didn't have control of his own body, let alone the the game of basketball and and the game awareness and the basketball IQ. But uh, it's been tremendous the rise that he's had in in the four years of him being in the league. He's he's a star. You know, he is. He's he's a star. He might not be a superstar. He's not Damian Lillard. He's not Kevin Durant, but he is a growing star. And, you know, I'm I'm intrigued that when Corey and I maybe get into a bit of a top 50 sort of ranking where we where this guy would be on the list. But that's a discussion for another day. Nick, who was the second best player for the Brooklyn Nets tonight? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Uh, Tyler Johnson had his moments, but I think I'm going to go with Jared Allen. Uh, yes, just sir. like a lot of versatility in there. There was a, a layup or two that he did miss, but he did also have a nice couple post moves. And then those six offensive rebounds were really big in the second half, four assists again. And there was this one play, I think it was in the second, I can't remember if it was the second quarter or third quarter. Oh. Uh, where he kind of rotates over to Dame, forces Dame to get the pass, and then recovers on Zach Collins and gets the block. That was probably one of the best plays of his career, and that's only a play a handful of defensive bigs in the league can make. And he was making so many defensive rotations. It seemed yep. to me that, you know, with this isn't a Kenny Atkinson slander podcast, but the drop coverage where it's just... We got murdered tonight. <laughs> he got, exactly, exactly. Whereas... Jared Allen using his defensive instincts and just letting him do his thing. I put out on Twitter that I think that he can be an all-defensive caliber center and big man in the league in, in years to come. If he plays the way that he does in terms of the rotations that he was making, you know, especially that play, you know, I think he had he had three blocks tonight, and that one was just otherworldly. The, the IQ that he has shown on that end of the floor and the confidence that he's shown more offensively, putting the ball on the floor, the lefty hook, the righty hook, Having six offensive rebounds out of 11 of his total boards, in that closing stretch, he just got us extra possessions. He willed himself, and the Nets were getting out-rebounded uh, plenty You know, with Zach Collins, Mello, and, and Yusuf Nurkic in the first half. And, and Jared Allen just sort of set the tone there, and other guys were just boarding uh, like crazy. Uh, an outstanding game from him. You know, obviously, he drew a couple fouls pre- down there, too. 
He did. He did. And obviously he didn't hit all those free throws and probably would have iced the game if he had to hit um, more than four of 10. But uh, an absolutely tremendous performance from Jared Allen. And I mean, we've talked about sort of the, the performance of uh, how he would fit on next year's Nets team. That's probably another discussion for another day. But boy, oh boy, am I just loving the, the young center, the young fro do his thing right now. Nick, Garrett Temple, I thought his IQ and his the wisdom that he imparted and just the, the smartness and the right plays, you know, three of seven from three. He boarded like crazy himself, four dimes. And that little TNT clip that we saw of him sort of going to Jeremiah Martin, he's like, I don't care that's Michael Jordan. You got him. You got him. Um, it was it was awesome. I, I thought Gary Temple had a tremendous game. And the consistency and just efficiency of just making the right plays, hitting the right shot, making the right rotation, guarding Dane, guarding CJ. Uh, another great game from GT, the Prez. Yeah, I think we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of games. Him in that complementary role where you're not asking him to do too much, he's able to focus a little bit more defensively. And I think having him out there when the Nets were you know, trapping, running different zone schemes, going back to man-to-man, whatever it was, having a guy like Garrett Temple to communicate is such a huge plus. With such a young team, and we talked about this in the past, Jared Allen's not necessarily the most vocal guy. Typically, your center's a guy kind of screaming out defensive you know, whereabouts and rotations, but Garrett Temple's able to help out in the area, being such a veteran, and having an understanding about what Vaughn's trying to do. Absolutely. He's having a tremendous bubble experience. I think that uh, without him, the Nets would be struggling on both ends of the floor. I think his leadership and his communication, like you mentioned, has been invaluable Joe Harris, Nick, wasn't the best from three, um, but mid-range Joe was certainly making some plays tonight. Yeah, they were really pushing him off the line. They were just pretty much riding behind him in terms of like the off-ball stuff, and they're just like, hey, you're not going to shoot threes tonight. And in the first half, you could tell it had an impact on like getting Joe touches and kind of almost took him out of the game. But in the second half, I felt like he was a little bit more aggressive. And one thing I really liked from Joe tonight was he realized, like, hey, that's Dame Lillard, that's C.J. McCollum, that's Gary Trent. Like, I'm bigger than all three of those guys. If I have them on a one-on-one possession, I can probably drive to the rim on them because I'm physically stronger than them. So I thought that was a nice use of his size tonight yeah and i could shoot over them you know he's yeah he's a guy who's like six six or so and, and all those three guys are like six four or shorter you know joe harris has height he's got a nice jump a, a great rhythm in his shot no matter where he is on the floor it's and, crazy you know, we haven't seen more of this mid-range stuff over the last couple of years man it, i mean the it seems to me that the nets as a complete offense if Jacques Vaughn is going to be the coach next year, and we'll eventually dive deep into coaching stuff, but the way Jacques Vaughn is implementing the offensive scheme and, and giving the guys independence and freedom to take shots that they want and that they see fit rather than sort of sticking to, uh, I guess, a more rigid scheme in the past, uh, it, it seems to be working wonders. And it's not necessarily affecting the three-point shooting either. They're still taking a lot of them. And if anything, it's leading to, to better ball movement, uh, confidence on both ends of the floor. But yeah, Joe, uh, Joe Harris, 19 points, 9 of 14 from the field, despite only being one of four from the three-point line did have four dimes himself as well did keep that streak going 60 games are out now um he's going to keep that going until the rest of his career it's going to be like 500 (laughs) games don't worry about that nick nick fate uh the other starter for uh for the nets nick rodion's kuritz i thought that again i i love him in the starting lineup and i just love these little pesky plays that he's doing i'm loving the athleticism a lot i love that block on yusuf nurkic um I'm, despite the fact that the box score doesn't leap out to you, we've said this before about him, eight points, uh, three or five from the field, five boards, two assists, uh, did have that block too. He's just making smarter plays. And, and I think that as a fifth starter, fourth, fifth starter, he's just making, he, he's just being, playing efficient, sound basketball. 
Yeah, he's given the Nets something that they really lack is some of the, like that length and athleticism and having him tonight, especially that block on Nurkic. It's like Nurkic didn't understand right. that Rodi Hans was like a 6'9 guy that could jump. I was just like, okay, you're just almost giving him the block. And then I loved, you mentioned the pesky stuff. He got in there, swiped at a rebound, bounced it off Nurkic's leg. He was pissed about it. That's the type of thing that you just really enjoy seeing from him. Then there was another play from Rodi Hans in this game where he took the rebound and he just went straight to the other end and yeah. got a layup. That's the type of stuff that's like, hey, that's just an easy basket that you need to take advantage of when you're the less talented team. And there's still a lot of room for growth through him. Foul trouble was a little bit of an issue tonight, but you can see the positive and the potential in him. And like, even if he's not on the Nets next year, the Nets, Jock Vaughn and himself have done a great job of getting his value back up to where it was before the season. Oh yeah, he's an NBA player going forward. He's going to be in this league for an extended period purely because of these moments, these sort of games. And you see the, the moments that we're sort of analyzing. He's got length, he's got athleticism and whatever system he's in, if they can utilize and realize you know, his talents, his strengths, his weaknesses, like Jacques Vaughn has in this Orlando bubble experience. And I'm loving him. You know, obviously we advocated for him to be starting quite early on. And Jacques Vaughn hasn't been afraid to make changes. You know, we've said a lot of good things about Jacques Vaughn throughout this Orlando bubble experience. And to me, you know, I was having a bit of a back and forth um, with OTG's uh, alumni and, and friend. I've been on the outlet before, Dave DeFore, talking about Jacques Vaughn and, and his... Um, his case for, for next year's head coaching spot. And, you know, he was more on the Ty loose sort of side of things and, and essentially was just on the uh, saying that it was basically ego management. But we've sort of talked about Jacques Vaughn and how he is uh, in terms of the interactions that he has with his players and how he connects with them. Um, so it'll be interesting to sort of see. But Nick, the, it seemed to me the Nets had like a seven-man rotation which is essentially what you do in the playoffs. It's like Mark D'Antoni style. Tyler Johnson and TLC were the only guys to play more than double-digit in minutes. You know, Jeremiah Martin had some minutes early and was making mistakes, just wasn't ready out there. You know, Justin Anderson was just... Uh, too small. It was too small. He was getting absolutely bodied by Hassan Whiteside. So the, the rotations and adjustments made in-game were, were quality, again, from, from Jacques Vaughn. But who do you want to touch on first, TJ or TLC? Um, I'll just touch on the rotation real quick. I think like the seven man thing is right, Jack. I think getting closer to the playoffs, you want to shrink things down. It'd be nice if one of the other, you know, quote unquote, big pen between Justin Anderson, Lance Thomas and Dante Hall could step up for the playoffs. It's kind of yet to be seen and what will happen with there. But let's talk about Tyler Johnson because uh, he hit some really big shots tonight and they were tough. Like we were not talking about easy looks. He's hitting mid range shots, coming off screens, pulling up with defenders in his face. He was locked in trying to help out his old team, the Phoenix Suns. And Devin Booker's going to have to shout him dinner or something. Despite yeah. the fact we didn't get the win, he was on. And he's been on for a large majority, of, again, for, for these sitting games. 16 points for him tonight, 7 or 13 from the field. Hit two big threes, had a couple of dimes, had a steal as well. You know, he's he's been tremendous to this team. And, you know, I, like I said before, it seems to me like he knows and he feels valued. And he's replicating that on the floor with the confidence that he's shown to, to hit shots left, right, and center. You know, I, I love a lefty as well. He, he just looks, yeah. it looks sweet when he hits the shot. You know, he's got nice mechanics. It, it's not necessarily... Um, like it's an ugly form. I just I like seeing him hit it. And I mean, I've said before, I'll say it again. I want to see him on next year's team, filling out the the depth of the the roster because you know you just need a guy who can create his own shot. That that's the number one skill I think in today's NBA. The, obviously, we need defenders, and you know Tyler Johnson isn't necessarily the greatest defender in the world. But when you need a bucket with a second unit or whatever out there, Tyler Johnson did that time and time again, and has been doing that time and time again for the past eight games. 
he does a nice job of relocating too. you know, off ball and rebounds or someone driving and trying to get himself in a position where he can be there for a kickout. And that's kind of an underrated skill, especially when you're going to be playing if he's on the team next year with a lot of guys who are going to get a lot of attention and Kyrie and KD, possibly Karras and Spencer as well. So he'll kind of almost his role will almost get easier moving forward if he's still on the team. But you have to like what you see from him, including the hustle plays defensively. He's not amazing, doesn't really have have great strength inside, but he is willing to put in the effort and take that occasional charge. And, and I mean, in terms of like the pickups, the discards added to, to teams, Dion Waiters, J.R. Smith, Tyler Johnson, uh, Dante Hall, Justin Anderson, these sort of guys. Off the top of my head, I know you you're, uh, you and Corey probably would be more on this than me. There haven't been as many good signings as Tyler Johnson and what he's added to this roster. Obviously, it, it's, it's uh, been a shame that we haven't got to see Jamal Crawford, um, more so for this team. Obviously, the injury really did hurt uh, his stock in that regard. But Tyler Johnson has been a genuine contributor for a team that has been winning games. And I think that we obviously analyzed, we did a whole 30-minute episode on his signing. And you know we were relatively measured a little bit low, a little bit high on certain things. We talked about that three-point shot being a, a real key indicator for how he would contribute. And I was a little bit higher than, than other guys on that side. I think that you might have been a little bit lower than I was. Um, but in general, he's been sensational for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I mean, he's done a great job in kind of revitalizing his NBA career where there was some question after Phoenix and having the down years in Miami. If he was just going to kind of be this guy that hangs at the end of rosters, maybe doesn't play a whole season, maybe plays a half a season. And he's been good for the Nets, you know, obviously see how he does over the course of an 82 game year, but you have to look at it as a real positive and moving to next year. And I mean, talking about guys that have been signed, the only one that really pops up is like campaign who is really good for uh, Phoenix. Um, but you kind of wonder if like Tyler Johnson had signed with the Lakers instead of J.R. Smith, would that be more beneficial to them? It kind of feels like it would be. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a really, really good point. Uh, that's something you'll say for JBT or the outlet. Let's get back <laughs> to some Nets basketball. Uh, we've talked about third star, Carol Subvert, fourth star TLC, Nick. It's time. Let's let's make it happen. His what confidence is ascending. Like, Oh, my God. Like, you know, the... I think that like if we were to represent all of these Brooklyn Nets by emojis, the stock rising emoji is TLC and then sub. You need about five of those for how he's been playing. He's having like 50, 40, 90. It's absolutely insane. 19 points tonight, 17 of 13, 7 of 13 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3, 8 boards, had a dime. Boy, oh boy, Timothée Laurel Cabarot, it is raining in those waterfalls. Yeah, he's great from the corner, you know, just a just a lockdown shooter over there. And just like you could see the confidence. And then on some of the drives, he was like, hey, I could take this guy off the dribble. You know, we saw him go at mellow a couple of times. And I was like, hey, you understanding like where you have the advantage in and taking advantage of that and attacking. I was pretty happy with the way he played tonight. And even defensively, there's a couple of fouls that were rough where he just needs to understand like where he needs to position himself and he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt being TLC, especially when he's going against Dame Lillard. So just the small things, but the Nets have to be really, really happy from what he came in as in Brooklyn into where he's at now in such a short period of time. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to do a breakdown of one of his games uh, earlier in the seeding games and he's left to right crossover yeah it's something that gives him a lot of space and you know allows him to attack the basket um in in really meaningful ways so you know i'm loving obviously teams aren't necessarily going to be scouting tlc but he's going to get a lot of open shots he he will and maybe not against the toronto raptors their their defensive schemes are tremendous and that coaching battle we're going to be diving deep into to the playoff preview don't worry about that on on future episodes but it, it was an insane game nick you know i think that the 
the way that the early part of the game, that the second chance points that the, the trailblazers were, were starting to, to garner, but then the, the boards ended up being relatively even, you know, the nets uh, rebounded the ball quite well in the second half. It was just even across the board, you know, no team led by more than 10, both team that the trailblazers had a nine point lead themselves. It was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, I mean, overall, uh, you can't say enough good things about the the Brooklyn Nets, but the Trailblazers were just there at the end, and they had a guy who is just on insane. fire. Yeah. He's uh, uh, he's on fire. He's cold. He's all the weather elements. He's all of the he's earth. He's fire. He's wind. He's water. He's uh, I don't know what to say about Damian Lillard. Carlos Verde is, uh, is is probably a number of those elements as well with how he's been playing. It's it's exciting watching this team, Nick. I think the Brooklyn Nets have been playing some of the most exciting basketball of any teams out there. And uh, we're lucky enough to recap it on a pod. Yeah, and it's just been really enjoyable, especially going to a situation with no pressure, like just like no expectation. These guys are going to maybe win a couple games, and they've completely outperformed that. And it's nice seeing so much growth on the roster. Like I don't think I anticipated seeing guys improve so much from the period of March into essentially the beginning of August. Like, yeah, they were able to work out some, but we've seen a lot of growth in different elements of guys' games, from even Joe Harris looking a little bit more aggressive offensively and confident in that mid-range shot. Karis LeVert adding to his bag from the handles to the mid-range to the pull-up, whatever you want to see out there. Jared Allen's passing. Rodion's looking more like an NBA player. The same thing with TLC, maybe revitalizing Tyler Johnson. Just like a lot has happened in terms of like player improvement, and I think, I guess, some credit has to go to the coach, and obviously a lot of credit goes to the players. Absolutely. Nick, we'll, um, we might got time for maybe one of these topics. If not, we'll discuss some of them on, on future Buzz episodes. Uh, I've got Joe Harris re-signing, coaching news, KD workouts, all the Vert's Instagram posts. Which one or ones do you want to touch on? Let's hit them all. We got enough time. All right, let's dive into it. The Joe Harris re-signing, obviously, we're going to first because I'm deciding where this podcast is going to go. Uh, but Sean and I <laughs> spoke to the Yes Network and was speaking about making it priority number one. News that I woke up to, Nikki, I think it was literally the first tweet in my stream when I woke up and I'm like, ah, this is good to hear. This is good to hear. Goddamn, Joe Harris is going to be on this team next season. And Joe Sy better be paying him. Yeah, I think we kind of already knew this was going to be the case. At least we assumed it was. And to hear Sean Marks come out and say it, I would be very, very, very surprised if Joe Harris was not on this team. It feels like almost a lock at this point, unless somebody offered him literally the max on another team. Like, I, I just can't really envision a world where the Nets don't re-sign him. And even Sean Marks, like, emotion during that interview, it seemed like he was really committed. And he even mentioned, like, I don't know the exact quote, but it was, like, playing next to a guy like Kyrie and KD, like, Joe's the perfect fit. He is. There is literally no more a perfect fit other than maybe like Serge Barker. And, you know, we've got Joe Harris already. You know, we've, we're lucky enough to, he is a restricted free agent. So um, we should be paying him. And I think that one thing that Joe will do, like he did with that, I know some people were in that two year, $16 million deal, and some general NBA people like Danny, Ralu, Danny LaRue and, and Nate Duncan were like, oh, that's a bit too high. And it's just like, no, he's the best shooting player. He's one of the, he's one of, if not the best shooter in the league, and he's becoming a three-level scorer in a lot of ways. And he tries on the defensive end, which is a yeah. lot more than you can say for a guy like Duncan Robertson uh, and Kyle Korver, obviously, who's aging in his career. So he's just a tremendous player, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing him as a Brooklyn Net for, for many years to come. But uh, I think just one to... thing on those guys, like undervaluing Joe, I think people sure. don't have enough respect for players still improving when they're older. Where like you look at Joe and you're like, oh, he's not the youngest guy. How much better can he really get? 
but he's drastically improved over those two years of that contract. Like he went from being a really, really good shooter to being a very good offensive player that can complement almost anybody in the NBA. And like you mentioned, he's willing to put in effort defensively and understands where he needs to be. He's never going to lock anyone down, but he has a piece on a championship team, a, a place. Yeah. He has a, a big place on any championship team. You put him on any roster in the NBA, and they're going to be damn happy to have him. And I'm, I'm damn happy to have him on the Brooklyn Nets. He provides me with plenty of joy on a daily, hourly, nightly, eveningly basis. Uh, think of what you will. When, <laughs> it's getting late here. You can you can think about what you will with that. But we'll get to the, we'll touch on the coaching news, Nick. And obviously, it's been a <clears throat> a topic that has been discussed at length by us, and it is going to continue to be discussed because Chris Mannix reported that. Ty Lue is expected to be a leading candidate for what could be several NBA coaching openings, and he's reportedly especially interested in the Nets. Joe Sy apparently wants a full-scale head coaching search, uh, and the candidates uh, have been rumored to be uh, Jason Kidd, uh, M.A. Adoka, uh, Ty Lue, and Jeff Van Gundy, and obviously Jacques Vaughn as well. What, were your, what are your reactions, I guess, to hearing this news, Nick? Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to all the names we've heard before other than Udoka, who I think has been mentioned in other coaching jobs and obviously has a connection to Sean Marks with the Spurs thing. But uh, Ty Luce still seems to be the favorite in terms of it. And obviously he's going to want to coach here because, like, what's the best chance that you winning a championship? And if you're Ty Luce and you've only coached for X seasons and you already have two or three chips, your resume is already starting off really good and you're already a young head coach. So I, I could understand why Ty Luce would want to come here and other than that, I mean, no, it makes sense for uh, Josiah to want to do that full, you know, in-depth coaching search because he has some money and it's a big decision because this is a window that you don't necessarily get to be in very often. You know what I mean? Like this is the yeah. literal championship window and you don't know when the next one's going to come. Obviously, you hope it's right after or, you know, not too far after, but it could not come for another 10 years. So you got to yeah. take take advantage of it at this exact moment. You, you look at a team like Portland, who's been good for the last 10 years, but they haven't ever been in the championship window. So you can be really good and not be in that window. So I think wanting to make sure everything is perfect is the right way to go. Absolutely. And obviously, I uh, get rid of Jason Kidd and Jeff Van Gundy on that list, and, and I'm pretty bloody happy. I'd rather see oh. Stan on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How good has Stan Van Gundy been on Twitter and on uh, the TNT broadcast with, our, with the GOAT, Iron Eagle? Uh, Jeff Van Gundy, just uh, he's not a modern NBA coach. I don't care what anyone else said he did in 20 years ago for, for other NBA teams. And Jason Kidd, I mean, the best thing that he did for the Brooklyn Nets was leave us. Um, and he left in a really... <laughs> really shady way i get yeah. that he's a new jersey native and you know Kyrie and katie probably love him but get that dude away from me he's kittle finger and he always will be he's a uh, an absolute snake and i don't like what he's done off the court i'm not a big fan of his character i respect what he's done for the new jersey organization i respect him as an assistant head coach but the character of, of I'm, 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 i question the overall character of jason kidd don't know the bloke but from a lot of things that i've seen and from the actions that he has portrayed um, as a partner, as a coach, as an, uh, just a lot of things that are, are red flags for me, Nick. But you know, Jeff Van Gundy is Jeff Van Gundy. You know, we know Mark Jackson isn't on this list. Thankfully, that's one guy that uh, thankfully isn't. But you know, Amaya Doka, I assume, will be a head coach in 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 some form or another. I think he was rumored for the Bulls and and the Knicks head coaching position. And Ty Lue, obviously. We talked about it a little bit before, talking to, about David DeForce, sort of saying that ego management. And we know Ty Lue has had experience doing that with Kyrie Irving in the past and LeBron James in the past. Those are two massive egos, but not in a bad way. When we say egos, we don't say it with any negative connotation. These are two of the best superstars. And Kevin Durant, and, and it's essentially you're placing 
LeBron James with Kevin Durant. And can Tyloo do that? You know, I'm 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 very confident in either Tyloo, Jacques Vaughn, and you know, uh, let's sneakily mention Greg Popovich as well, Nick. We've got to <laughs> mention him. He uh, he was asked today post game uh, by the media if he's going to be coaching next year. He said, "Why not?" He didn't say where. He didn't say where. He said he wants to be coaching. Um, and if he wants to be coaching a championship, um, they, I mean, his team isn't even making the playoffs these I days. I mean, it's, but- it's not as crazy as people want to make it seem. And I know, like, people are like, oh, why would Pop want to coach Katie and Kyrie? He already has a relationship with them. And for my eyes, and, like, the Spurs are a smart organization, it seems like this upcoming season would probably be a tank or a rebuild. There's no way for them to retool and be a very good team. And there's probably not even a guarantee they could make the West next year, depending on the moves they make. I mean, make the playoffs in the West next year, even if they made moves this offseason. P.O.P. to B.K.N. Let's make it happen. <laughs> if there's all where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, Nick gave Kevin Durant a 2% chance of still coming back, despite the fact that about him five minutes later <laughs> after the podcast, he announced that he wasn't. But speaking of Kevin Durant, that's a good segue, Nick. He's having some workouts in L.A. He's calling LeBron James not the go. He's wearing WNBA jerseys. He's working out with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. You like what you see? Yeah, I mean, it's good to see him with, you know, some of his uh, G League teammates in terms of Long Island Nets guys out there. And then obviously Spencer spending some time with him. It's always good to see KD on the court. And obviously, you know, all the other stuff, too, is just like it's a positive. And even Sean Marks, I think, mentioned that uh, uh, KD and Kyrie were mentoring Karis LeVert this summer. So just a lot of pluses on the uh, KD side. I will say this. I can't remember who I saw it from or whether it's an original thought, but I'm, I'm normally jacking a lot of people's other thoughts anyway. Are he healthy, healthy? So he's getting there. He's getting there. And, I'm man, imagine when he pulls on the number seven. Whenever we get to play basketball again next season, it's going to be goddamn exciting. But one and just thing- one more note on KD. Uh, like, sure. he also mentioned, like, being healthy, healthy. And now it's about, like, getting back to being that elite, elite NBA player. We're like, hey, my body's feeling right. But, like, you don't wake up out of bed and be Kevin Durant. Like, he's a skilled assassin. He's worked at his craft for years. So it's going to take some time for him to get back up to that KD level. Of course. And and I think that that extra time, we've sort of seen Yusuf Nurkic come back from an incredibly, obviously, a broken leg and an Achilles injury are both very, very different uh, ailments. But the impact that he has had since coming back has been, you know, insane. And, you know, Zach Collins as well coming back from a really serious injury. So it's going to be interesting to see what version of Kevin Durant we see. And I think that the 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 motivation that he has to probably prove a lot of naysayers wrong, be they, they the, the Twitter, um, the, the Twitter people, uh, Twitter people, the blog boys, let's call them the blog boys. That's a better one. Uh, he's going to be playing some goddamn good basketball sooner rather than later. But we will end with Nick, uh, CLV, getting cryptic on insta and he posted his fit um he he tagged it bubble wearing a nice little hoodie you know carrying his bag in and he we talked about the stock rising emoji relating to tlc but he put three stock rising emojis for himself and then spencer dimwitty responded killer caption lol i respect it um nick is he talking about building up his own stock? Is he talking about rebuilding his stock? Let's dive deep dive deep into social media BS. Yeah, I literally posted the same exact caption for Karis LeVert <laughs> on uh, the OTG Instagram page. I posted a clip and I put LeVert trending up with three things, just exactly like he... I think I actually did it first, so that's even more funny. I think it's just like Spencer being a, a dick, kind of, like making fun of him for having a basic-ass caption. I mean, it could be something deeper, but I, I really don't think it is. I think it's either like him being a dick or him just like laughing because, like you mentioned, it's stock-related. We know Spencer's all about that Bitcoin. Yeah, well, maybe he knows Karis LeVert's crypto... 
Uh, cryptocurrency <laughs> stock is is rising. You know, in the pandemic, you know, we're, we're moving away from Levert traditional, <laughs> traditional, yeah, traditional currency. Karis crypto, crypto Karis, whatever you want to call it. Maybe that's the new nickname. Let's make a t-shirt. DSGNTree.com. Crypto Karis is coming. It's um, actually really good. <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, I come up with some weird and wacky thoughts when we're on this podcast. I don't know what I was saying last episode. I don't know what I'm saying this episode, but I'm glad I get to say things about the Brooklyn Nets on the Brooklyn Buzz podcast with you and Matt Brooks. It's going to be a lot of fun. The playoffs are upcoming. We're going to be doing previews. We're going to be diving deep into all the news. Um, it's going to be fun, fun content for days with the Brooklyn Buzz. Yeah, next time we're on the show, we'll be talking playoffs. And after that, it'll be playoff recap. So always a pleasure, Jack. And be sure to check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline has sat down with former pro athletes Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they have to say on what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Bandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.